Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Good morning, campers! Alan Jerry. No guests, no calls, and no real content. All right, once again, no Al Dukes, and well, we'll deal with that for just a couple more days. What is up? It is 5.04 on a Wednesday morning, the day before New Year's Eve, as we are ready to wrap up this crappy 2020 year and move the hell on to 2021. So I'm in the studio in New York City right here on Hudson Street, and about, I would say probably about 35 feet from me in the other <laughs> studio, his name is Chris Lepresti, sitting in for Albert Hainsworth Dukes, who is off down in Bradley Beach, probably walking his dog. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Oh, good morning. I think 35 feet's probably a pretty good estimate. I would say so. Got that steel wall between us, but we're good to go. Uh, here's what I would say about the Knicks last night. Ajita free. That's fair, which is hard to say normally when you turn the ball over 26 times. But still, very good ball movement, shoot lights out from three, and they look like a competent basketball team four games in. And with only eight guys playing, missing some guys due to injury, so nice job by them going on the road against a team that got off to a good start. Nice little short rotation as Julius Randle almost had the quadruple double as he had nine turnovers on the night. But he was, (laughs) I tell you, he was really... He had good vision. He didn't force, well, I shouldn't say he didn't, he forced some, but for the <laughs> most part, he made good decisions and he looked like he was trying to make the extra pass. And I don't know, you know, I don't know if this is the new coaching philosophy, what it is, but they look like a different group. Again, it's four games. No one's going to go nuts. But I think at the end of the day, if the Knicks are two and two after what they've been, you sit there and say, okay, fair enough. Let's take this one game at a time. And, you know, Reggie Bullock, uh, <laughs> we found out that's his name. Um, he gave you contributions. R.J. Barrett looked good at times. 
So you never know. Maybe you got something here with this team. Randall looks like a different player so far. And yes, you're right. It's only four games, but you know, you saw like running the floor for a, a big man. I know he's not a center, but you know he's six nine, two fifteen. He's running the floor. He's making passes where you you almost feel like he's got eyes in the back of his head. Like, how did he even see that guy? So yeah, it's encouraging to see. He's still a relatively young player. Twenty six. Yeah, twenty seven. Trying right? to prove, hey, I can be a part of the long term answer here. No doubt. And uh, it was I, really for the Knicks, it's a good win because I think while the Nets are going to do what the Nets are going to do, and I, we all expect it to be a big season in Brooklyn. I think if the Knicks can give you anything around the 500 mark, I'm not expecting them to win 50 games. I'm not saying that. But if they give you something to where they're in it with this new playoff format at the end, where they have a chance to play themselves into something, you know, because it's such a young roster. Yep. You know, I, I know they always talk about, you know, NBA purgatory. You never want to just make the playoffs and miss out on the lottery and all things like that. True. But I think as you're building something, I do believe there's value into taking steps. And I think if this team could at least fight for something down the stretch of the season, I think it's a building block, especially with the new coaching staff that you have in place. And I do think it's important. I think it's important for the fan base to have something to look forward to on a nightly basis. And, you know, right now, again, four games, but at least maybe you look forward to a Nick game once in a while as opposed to just, oh, they're on. Yeah, and I think selfishly for us as the viewers and also what we do here on a daily basis, you don't want them to be irrelevant halfway through the season, as as has been the case in many of the years over the last decade or so, right? Isn't that the worst? Yes, it is. And we've seen too much of it across multiple sports. It's happened with the football teams. It's happened with the Mets at times. Certainly it's happened with the Knicks and the Nets before. Uh, you know, they went and really upgraded this roster. So it makes it difficult. But even with that, you know, it's interesting because I heard, you know, Evan and Craig yesterday and Craig was discussing and Evan as well, the success that Boston has had since, you know, the turn of the since 2000 to really 2001 is where they were starting from. And, you know, Craig, you know, gave the whole hush how much, you know, we suck here in New York. And he's right. But the more I think about it, it's not that it's been that bad. It's just that there's been no con- – aside from the Yankees, who right. every year are a good team. Even even if they don't win 100 games, the Yankees are there and they give you something every year. Yeah, the Rangers had a nice run, never got over the top, plus a Taki, which doesn't get as much attention well, as we know. But I thought they, they have been a consistently good team. Beyond that, though – other teams have had runs, but there's been no consistency. Yep. You know, the Nets have been good at times, terrible at times. The Jets, two AFC title games, you know, with Rex Ryan and then just Nothing. brutal. Yeah. The Giants have won Super Bowls, but lately they've been horrible. The Mets, not great, but they did go to the World Series in 2015, so yep. they gave you something. Spotty, but yes, they've given you some highs. The Devils were in the Stanley Cup Finals, you know, a handful of years ago, and yet haven't been good lately. The Islanders are on the up after years of... Not much. It's just interesting how there's been no sustained success aside from the Yankees. And I do believe the Rangers, you can say, to that point, too, but no championships. Right. They put in a million playoff games, big series, game sevens that got attention but never got to the top of the mountain. And even the Knicks had that 56-win season yeah. with Carmelo and Lynn Sanity and all that. So while they have been a disaster, they have had years where they haven't been that bad. It's just th- there's been no putting anything together on some sort of a serious run where you can look at the next next, uh, nine, ten years and think, you know what, we got something here. Maybe we get one or two. And I think when you look at this roster now, and who knows, maybe R.J. Barrett does turn out to be a really good player. We don't know. But you got to start somewhere. And the youth of this roster with the new coaching staff, 
perhaps it's the start of something. Because if not, I mean, holy <laughs> hell. I mean, honestly. You're I, talking how many? You can change things relatively quickly if you can land a superstar. Well, that's the key. You but they haven't been able that. to do that. Yeah, and that's why they continue to just be miserable every year. So, yeah, you, you highlighted that one season with the 54 wins and all was great. And we're playing the Mike Woodson clips and the and the song, you know, to intro his his deep voice stuff. But since then, it's just been pure misery. Terrible. Just terrible. So, I don't know. I look at the Knicks and I say they look like a decent basketball team. We'll see. Four games does not make a season. But, again, if you can have something with them in the month of April, then I think year one under Tibbs or Thibs or whatever we're calling him, (laughs) I think would be a success. But a very, very long way to go, but a decent start for them, at least so far to this point. And did you see, by the way, you know, we were making fun of the Mavericks and Clippers the other night. Yeah. Did you see the Bucks score last night? I was going to bring that up to you. Sometimes they go in, Jerry. I mean, come on. <laughs> they played in Miami, and I don't care if the Heat rested everybody. I haven't looked at the box score. They lost at home by 47 points. 144-97, and Milwaukee sets it at. This is my favorite part. So they set the NBA record with 29 threes. That's great. Look deeper, 13 guys played. All of them made at least one three except for Giannis. And I know he's not a big three-point shooter. He was 0 for 2. He had nine points in 24 minutes, and they won by 47. It doesn't make any – right. And then the other night, (laughs) he scores nine points, and they win by 47. The other night, he gives you 29 and 15 against the Knicks, and they get blown out at Garden. Very strange back-to-back set for – well, not back-to-backs, but consecutive games for them. All right, ready for the over-under? I'm always ready for over under. under. But now this is we're cheating a little bit because you know how many threes the Bucks made. Bucks Heat, how many threes attempted? Uh, over under 104. Uh, I will take the under on that. Damn, I went too high. Okay, you're right. It is under, but pretty big number, 88. It's insane. And that's another thing about the Nick game last night that I thought was interesting because they made a lot of threes. They didn't they were, take a ton though, but they made a lot. Yes. The difference last night to the way I was complaining about the NBA and the three-point shooting on Monday, I did not feel like it was cross midcourt and shoot. They actually looked like they had play designs, and there was a lot of drive and kick. There were there's a lot of passing. I yeah. thought they were very unselfish with the basketball. That to me, I can take a game like that. I just don't like when it looks like the Globetrotters. Right, and you had maybe some longer possessions because of that, moving the ball. So that's why both, you know, the score was lower, not as many attempts, I would imagine, if I had to look at the box score. Like you just mentioned the Bucks heat game, and you said 88 threes, right? Yes. There were 171 attempts total. So you're talking over 50% of the attempts were from three. Oh, for sure. And I would think, uh, that's probably not the norm, but I would think 50-50 is very close yeah. to an average NBA game these days. Looking so here, the I'll cherry right pick. Now. Let's go Celtics-Pacers. All right. All right. Mm, probably not a great example I'll here. I'll do cause... the Nick game while you're checking that out. Yeah, see, this, see, now this is interesting because the Celtics only took 22 threes last night out of 80 field goal attempts. Yeah. And they beat the Pacers 116-111. Let's try one more. Let me see have a big score. How about a game that nobody cares about? The Nick game, by the way, 34% for both teams. Three-point attempts against overall field goal attempts. Okay. So that was well under 50. All right, here you go. Which makes sense. You both teams were under 100 points. Timberwolves, Clippers. (laughs) Again, not bad. Only 69 69 threes attempted. Do you think we will get to a point where we start to see 100 three-pointers per game? God, I hope not. We're pretty close, though. 
I mean, if the Nick game had 88 attempted. There are some outlaw. Yeah. I mean. 88. No, not in the Nick game. In oh, the Buck was game. that the other game? The Buck game. Yeah. Well, same difference. But but at least in that <laughs> game, you're talking about a team that set the NBA record with, with me. You know, it's not like they took 51 attempts and made seven of them. They did set an NBA record with 29 makes. So it makes a little bit more sense. That is very true. So anyway, interesting night in the NBA and uh, good for the Knicks. They get a win. What else you got there, CeeLo? Nice, uh, nice, another nice victory for your Rutgers team last night. Wow, you're going Rutgers in the first segment. Well, I'm just saying we're talking <laughs> basketball. It's relevant. You called the game last night, so they beat Purdue, eighty-one seventy-six. They're a fun team. So we get there and we find out. I don't know, maybe an hour before the game, that Ron Harper Jr., who's averaging, I forget, twenty. 26 points a game. He's been outstanding. Ron Harper Jr. is averaging 26 points per game. He's their leading scorer. The kid has been off the charts good. We find out about an hour before the game that he's not playing, that he got injured at some point during the day, maybe in practice or whatever. And you think, geez, and now Purdue's coming in, and Purdue's a good team. They played such a good game in his absence. It was an absolute blast. And it's I'll tell you this about the college basketball, and this is just, and this could be for the NBA too. So for guys that are in these arenas, here's the odd thing about doing these games with no fans. The game starts, first of all, pregame's weird because you don't have, you know, when you go to a game, there's sort of like that buzz about people kind of coming into the arena, finding their seat. Okay. So when you have a non-conference game, there's you don't have much of that because you don't get the full capacity coming into the game. You know, you were I heard you in the newsroom talking about who was it, Baylor, Gonzaga, someone I was gonna bring that up, yeah. So Gonzaga is number one in the country. They improved to nine and oh last night, beating some team named Dixie State one twelve sixty seven. Right. I mean, come on. Now a game like that, you don't expect there to be a buzz in the arena. The place probably isn't going to be packed. And if it is, it's going to be a late arriving crowd. So there's that non-conference feel to a game. You get into conference play and things starting start to feel a little bit different. You got the intensity, yeah. So that part is certainly lacking. There's no question about it. But once you kind of get into the pregame show, your focus kind of you know changes a little bit. And then when the game starts, I think these arenas, for the most part, have done a really good job of giving you that fake ambient noise and the crowd noise sure and they're playing the music in between and you do it doesn't i don't want to say it doesn't feel different because it does a little bit because you get those rim rocking dunks and the big you know big shots and threes you don't get the electricity of the crowd or the silence of the crowd if you're on the road it's just what it is and they keep the crowd noise humming and it's still it's it feels like a game but i'll tell you when the game ends and they shut the PA system down, like, I would say maybe two, three minutes after the game is over because the kids start to, or the players start to leave the floor. There is a hush that comes over the arena, and that is where it just feels weird. You probably feel like you're in a high school gym, right? Or worse, because it's so big, and it, it right. there's just there's nothing there. It's deafening silence. It is, and you also have the fact where you've got the media still in their spots because now they're doing the post game stuff over a video conference. It, I don't know. It is just bizarre, and it's that's the part that feels weird. None of the rest of it. No, it's fine, and I don't think you know from every anyone I've spoken to that's played so far. They, it, there's really not much difference. They're into it. They're locked in. They're focused, and the kids are having a blast. But boy, that post game stuff is weird. Yeah, and you mentioned the the size of the arena and the emptiness being a factor. It's funny you say that. Now I'm thinking back to the years when I covered the Jets. 
And a couple times <clears throat> I did go to a road game when, when they played the Patriots. I went up to Foxborough a couple of times. And the path you would take to go down from the press box to, you know, field level and walk to the locker room and back, you would pass one of the tunnels where you could, you know, look out onto the field. And just the height of the multiple decks and after the place cleared out, yeah. I remember feeling very overwhelmed by that and thinking about what it must feel like as a player to go out onto the field and, you know, be faced with that backdrop with that many people just feeling like they're right on top of you and hovering over you and the sound of that and even just seeing it empty it was just like wow that's that's pretty intense i can see why when the lights come on some of these guys don't exactly respond well yeah have you been you haven't covered a game this year without the fans right you've no, been to a game i've not been to, in any stadiums no see i was in cincinnati and that was it was fun, it was very normal because there were fans there granted there were only 12,000 but 12,000 fans still and spread out the way they had them spread out, it just felt like it wasn't a well-attended game. Yeah, but like there a was, crappy team where no one showed up. Yeah, but it was, there was atmosphere um, when big plays happened. You actually felt the, you know, the feel of the crowd. In that case, what was strange was just walking up to the game. Like, you just pulled in, you parked, you walked in, there was no one there. Because, you know, you're a couple hours before, there's no one tailgating. Uh, and then leaving the stadium, you just walked right out. And you left. So that was this week. I'll be at MetLife Stadium for the Cowboys and Giants. And I have not been in an empty NFL stadium yet. Now, the one that at least on the headset, you know, on Compass Media Networks when I do these games, the weirdest one so far has been Seattle because they did not have the piped in crowd noise for that game. And that's a place that's usually rocking. So think about that the 12th man and the loudest building in the NFL usually. And then you're playing a game in silence. <laughs> A little, little bit of a different experience. Yeah, but what's cool is how much stuff you get to hear, which is, you sure. know, we've talked about that before, but it's crystal clear. Yeah. And it's the a, parabolic mics. They've done a good job with that. It's given you a different feel, especially for the for the, for the the viewers at home, obviously, where you, you don't normally hear all of that. So you get a different experience and you get to learn some stuff and hear about some of the inside things that go on in the field, which has been fun. You know what's funny, too, is how much we've heard, and I guess this has gone on for years, I don't know. A lot of the calls at the line of scrimmage where the quarterbacks are making up things or, you know, talking about uh, entertainers or politicians. Yeah, they've got code that they Really use. funny. Yeah. And I guess Boomer's probably told us about that as well in the past. Yeah, that's more what I'm talking about. That line of scrimmage stuff when you get to hear these quarterbacks operate and just see all the stuff that goes on pre-snap. A lot of stuff, no doubt. And we still have a lot more to do. 20 after 5, just getting started. The warm-up show until 6. Sal Licata joins me at 6 o'clock. Sal was funny. I'll get to why when we come back, as I got a phone call from him uh, last night in preparation of today. So Sal will join me at 6, uh, coming back right here on The Fan with more. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
All right, 877-337-6666. We might actually take a couple Taking of calls. Taking some calls here? Yes, I figured you would enjoy that. I would love to do that. I've always wanted to do that. Give Chris Lepresti your best shot. Give us a call, 877-337-6666. A <laughs> couple of things here before I get to the Sal story. So I saw this on Twitter this morning uh, as we were getting set to come on. And at first I said, ah, it can't be true. And then I thought about it. Might be true. Checked. It is. So I saw someone tweeted and this, I guess, goes to the state of pro sports and even to some extent college sports, if you look at it, about how a team, a collegiate team, can be really good by keeping a core together for the most part, if you will, for four years. And I'm not saying they've all been together for four years, but this was the tweet. The Wisconsin Badgers starting five average age is older than the starting five of the Chicago Bulls. Wow. Isn't that interesting? It. Sure, it is interesting, but I, I could see I could see how that could happen. Sure. So you're looking at you know the youngsters in Chicago: Kobe White, Wendell Carter Jr., Patrick Williams. They're 19, 20, 21, in whatever order. But that there that's the ages for those three. I believe Williams is 19. He's the young one. Jeez. You got Zach Levine is 25. He's the old man in the group. And then I think Laurie Markin and I think was 23. You look at the Wisconsin starting five. They're all 21 and older. Got a bunch of fifth-year seniors, maybe. It's unbelievable. And Demetric <laughs> Trice is 24. Wow. Yeah, and you think about And I only say it because how many times have we said, you know, when you've got, like, the worst team in the NBA and then you got, like, the best team in college basketball, you know, that team could beat. You sit there and think, you know, I guess it's possible. possible. At this point now, where we're at with kids that leave after one year or yep. don't even go to college, why not? I mean, a team like Wisconsin, I'm not saying Wisconsin could beat an NBA team, but when you see the ages, it makes you think. Well, I mean, look at the Knicks last night play the Cavs. Look at their their backcourt. You had Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. One's 21, the other's 20. Now they both have birthdays in January, but still. Very I young. Mean, it's crazy. Right. I mean, those would be the two younger players on the Wisconsin team. Yeah, wild. Really very interesting. So, all right, so last night, you brought up Rutgers, so at the rack. And now Sal's doing today and tomorrow as he's filling in uh, with me for Boomer and Geo. And, you know, I get a text from him yesterday, just, you know, what do we do about this and this and blah, 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 blah. So then there was one other question he had. So I figured, let me call him rather than keep texting back and forth because at some point... Is this while you're doing the game? But prior to. Okay. Prior to. No, I do not text while I'm doing the game. Well, I figured not. No. So I would say this is more in the 5 o'clock hour. And so I figured, let me call him enough with the texting back and forth. And... It was uh, it was it was odd to me because I've worked with Sal doing Columbia games for I think it was seven years, probably. And in those seven years, I don't think we had one pre-game phone call. Okay. About no show prep, no game prep. No, I mean you know we went to practices and stuff, so I guess that was the prep. But it was never like, what are we going to do here? How's the format go there? Yeah. This was. What are we going to talk about? Should I bring like topics? Should I be ready to go? I said, Sal, goodbye. I'll he's see feel, you tomorrow. He's feeling the nerves a little bit. Maybe, but I expect him to be shot out of a can. Oh, I'm sure he will be. Because I was going to ask you two things on Sal. One, because I, I admit I haven't paid close enough attention. Will this be the first time he's filled in in the morning on CBS Sports Network, like in this format? Yes. Well, that explains all the questions. Why? Okay. How come? It doesn't um, to me because he's, he's, he's on not, SNY every night. He's not, yeah, but it, it's different. Trust me. And, I, and this is not me patting myself on the back, but as someone who's who's done that before, because yeah. I used to work with Sal over there uh, briefly when I was covering the Jets, I did some stuff. It's very different as compared to what we're talking about here. The two but formats think, are very different. I would also think coming into this studio, this is his comfort zone. 
Well, that was my other question. Now, remember, this is probably the first time he'll have been in the building since March, right? Uh, Probably so. So, you know, that's... Which is so weird to me because I've been back since I think it was mid to late July when I started filling in on a regular basis for the summer. There's no way I wanted to do that from home. And so I got the approval um, from Mark Chernoff to come in. I think it was mid-July. That sounds right. And to me, the whole notion of working from home while... I, I did do it a couple of times was it last week or two weeks ago. I did do it maybe one day or two days. Um, it's nice that you have that as an option, but it's, I don't know, things feel more normal by coming in and now having G back and Boomer's been back since I think it was August. The only oh, one that th- hasn't been back is Al. I think, uh, I think Boomer was the first one. Wasn't he before Boomer's, you? Mm, I feel like he's been back for a this while. Is true? I thought so. I don't think, I, could be I wrong do not think that. you're right about that. Oh, all right then. Because Boomer was living the life playing golf every day. Well, he could he could still do that and and be coming back into yeah, the studio. But, mm. His work day ends at you know ten o three. Yeah, I know he's I involved in other stuff. Feel, well, you might be right. Either way, it doesn't matter. He was back in the summer too. But then once Giannotti got back, and Eddie's been here the whole time, obviously. Yes, it's everything has been normal. What hasn't been normal is just people really not showing up into the building, which is not going to be the case for a while either. So, which is fine, by the way. I I've got no issue with that. Gotten very used to it. Yeah, there's and no you question. Don't have people on top, you know. And especially like, you know, when there's some sort of food item that's brought out, you don't have people just, you know, coming out of the walls into the newsroom to to chow down. Which on I it, always so. found funny. Oh god, that's one of the great things about working here behind the scenes. Well, I think it's anywhere. If you put food it's out worse, in the yeah. open, I think that's fine. <laughs> I always found it comical when if a delivery came in and it wasn't a lot of food, it was just, you know, maybe it was ordered for, let's say, six of us, and it was put in the office. And then you would see people walk into the office. And I would just think to myself, there's no chance in hell I would walk into someone else's office right. and start grabbing food. <laughs> now, if it's out in the open, okay. Right, to me, community that means, food, yeah. Absolutely. That, and that used to drive Craig nuts. Espe- and this was the one that would always get him. We always had this rule, as you know, when Boomer and Carton would buy breakfast, which was often, it was almost daily, actually. Especially no, with Craig. Right. Well, he was the one that bought it most days. Yeah. No one opens it until he gets his because he bought it. Yes. And there were a couple of times where random people went in, oh, look, food, and opened it. <laughs> and he would flip out. Not on the air, nothing like that, but you knew he was mad. And rightfully so. I, I mean, agree. It's just like a common courtesy. Some people just don't have, they don't have like the, the buffer, you know? They don't understand that that's just the way it should be. They don't have the common decency. Common courtesy. Yes, courtesy, decency, yes. All right, quick break. When we come back, a couple of calls up that want to talk to Chris Lepresti. All right. So we will take a couple of calls here on the warm-up show. How about that? We might even put a guest on at 545. <laughs> the big zoo just freaked out. He didn't realize we were going to do a guest. Uh, I'm kidding, by the way. And then Salicata joins me at 6 right here on The Fan. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Al and Jerry. Don't worry, it's only an hour long. Now we're talking. I like this. <laughs> I'm 20- looking forward to the call, the music today, by the way, the rejoin music. Well, I think, I think we decided that we were each going to take a turn, but since Sal and Ed have the same taste, we're going to go one and one. We're going to go 50-50. I think it's probably... We'll go every other, I think, is fair. And I get wedged out, Reasonable. apparently. So. 
Pretty much. All right. Uh, 20 in front of six. Although, if you have some suggestions right before your segments, go for it. I have a, listen, a wide appreciation for music. Okay. I mean, so do I. I mean, if you look at Spotify, my account, it goes from Frank Sinatra to, you know, right. today's hits. That's that's me, pretty much. There you go. Everything so in between. Bring in what you want. Just give it to Ed, and we're good to go. Now, right. I mentioned a couple of phone calls. People want to talk to Chris Lepresti. Maybe. Maybe both of us. And so you had Craig came on. We'll get to the calls one second. We Craig came on yesterday and was talking about how Christopher Johnson has told Adam Gase that indeed he will be gone, but he will coach on Sunday. Great. Um, so we move on in that direction. Mike in Long Beach. First up on the – you might be the last call or two of the warm-up show in 2020. What's up, Mike? Uh, you know, I heard he was supposed to have a special guest for 545, okay? And – you're being blessed right now. Uh, it's a little early for me, but Mike is here. Okay, the number one. Okay, and as many of the callers know, uh, I don't listen to any of the other shows in the morning. Okay, uh, I I took the backdoor route. I went through the uh, screen caller, and uh, you know I'm calling in to give you you two clowns my advice. Okay, they got I I don't know what kind of strings Turnoff is pulling over there. Okay, but. You have Craig in the afternoon trying to replace my show, okay? They got YouTube clowns at 5 in the morning warming up. <laughs> For what reason? Nobody's up. Nobody's up at 5, okay? <laughs> no, no, I, no. You're I, up. I, no, I no, 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 people right are, no, people are up, and you can go back to your snowblower. People are up. <laughs> you're awake. You called. That's right. What are you kidding me? Oh, that's funny. Caught him on CNBC recently, I think yesterday or two days ago. Who's this? The, the real Mike. Oh, okay. I think it was CNBC. You know, he's into the business shows, and he called up. He, he sent in a video with a question about uh, stock strategy for 2021. Did it include Bitcoin? I did not, but I'm glad you brought up Bitcoin. Did you see the Russell Okung situation from I did. yesterday? Yes. Which, of course, I felt bad for G right up his alley. We didn't catch this until just the show was ending, so we didn't get to talk about it at G's all. G's off till Monday. He'll be fine. Yeah, I know he'll be fine now, but I know he was a little disappointed after the show ended that he didn't get a chance to talk about it on yesterday's program. little misleading, though, because the headline says he got paid in Bitcoin. Right, he, which he is— He did not. And I wanted to get to the—I was wondering this myself. It's like, well, what's the difference, really? Like, uh, why not just take your— Get paid in dollars, and then you invest. You turn it around and invest in which Bitcoin, is exactly which, what he did. Right. Except they did it for him, mm, uh, not the NFL. No, not the NFL. But the this way I understood it, was, right? The way I understood it was the team paid him. Yes, and then how, whoever handles his money directly. They, they it's took a half very of strange it. thing. They, well, look, it it's it has a value, right? We I mean, you guys. Well, you didn't do it because you missed out. But, you know, uh, it's Alan, funny. I even tried yesterday again. What is going I don't on with know. Your, your I, personal information? I would be happy to show you, you on down. one of the breaks, because what I don't understand is I get to the same exact spot with all of these apps and companies and investing at whatever they are. Um, though I forget what the latest one was. I'll tell you in one second. As now, I is this just phone. for crypto or is it just in general? No, this is just for the crypto, the site. So I've so tried... Like, if you go on Robinhood, you can buy regular regular stock but you can't buy crypto well, i don't have Robinhood, and i haven't tried right, well, that that's tried the one blockchain, i chain coinbase and yesterday what the hell was the one i did yesterday well a bunch of people me. tweeted us and said you can do it through paypal did you try that i did not i All don't right. have a paypal account what's the error that I keeps coming up do for well i'm going to tell you so yesterday the the company that i tried was was it coinbits i forget and it's the same exact thing that happens i give all my information I give, you know, you need the, the picture of the license on both sides. 
Everything comes up successful. They send me the email, confirm the email. You're good. Last step is to put in your funding source. And so I put in the account number and you even given your login and all that stuff. It comes up success. You're ready to invest. I click invest and it comes right back to now you're ready to fund, set up your funding source. <laughs> it's it's every single one. Have you tried? You got to go and try the uh, company Russell Coons pump and zap. You can Z- check them out. Z-A-P? Z-A-P. I he tweeted about it like 20 times yesterday. I, I can try. Pumping I, them big. It's try very, Robin Hood. Seriously, though. What's frustrating is I was in on this. Like I, Unlike Al, who had to be sold on it, it made sense to me, and I kind of liked the idea. And so that morning we discussed it. I do believe the number was at about 15000 <laughs> And I was all in. Not that I was spending that kind of money, but I was all in to buy portions. Sure. And I just haven't been able to do it. Now it's a 26, and I feel like I wasted all this time and money. Yeah, you missed out. Big time. Yeah, thanks. Mike well, in I Staten Island, next caller on the warm-up show with Lepresti. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's going on, fellas? How you guys doing today? Good. How are you? Doing great. Not too, not too bad. Uh, I'm calling because, listen, I'm a diehard Mets fan. Obviously, I want to see them sign the big names like Springer, Bauer, yada, yada, yada. But uh, when I logged on to Twitter last night and I see Bauer trending... He's out of his mind. Because he had a little hissy fit that John Heyman was doing his job about reporting. You know, I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm like, you know, I don't want to be that guy who says Bauer can't handle New York media. But if you can't handle a tweet by a baseball reporter, do you really belong in New York? Mike, he he also hasn't had the career that warrants the type of money we're talking about. That's what I'm saying, because Heyman, I believe he said 36 to $40 million yeah. for five years. No way. And you, listen, you had a great season uh, for 60 games when well, – I, I, I can't think of DeGrom's contract off the top of my head, but I don't even think he's getting paid that much. No, no he's, he's getting 25 It's a bargain. Yeah, yeah. So I think Bauer's just out of his mind. He has to put down his phone a little bit. Because he, and I I don't think his agent is doing him any favors either because she's going on Twitter too saying wait what did I miss yada I'm like oh my god give me a break with this or I don't know if I'm a grump because it's five forty six in the morning and this is what I'm thinking about but geez just put down your phone no Mike you're not wrong and I actually agree with your take and if you look at Trevor Bauer and his career he's been a good pitcher he has not been one of the great pitchers in the game now he had a great season last year not taking that away from him. But the notion that you would give him thirty-six to forty million dollars a year is asinine. Hey, shoot your shot, right? And then you can just go down from there. Yes, but you can't see, I just don't think, and I didn't see the hissy fit he's talking about, but it doesn't surprise me because he is very vocal and open on social media. Oh, he was vocal. I agree with Mike. Like you need a guy that's gonna come here. You can be open and honest, but you also need to need to pick your spots. And this is not the time to be doing that. I don't believe it is. And could you imagine if you and Jacob DeGrom does not seem like the type of person that's going to make waves. He doesn't because, you know, I I've I've always tried to be one that I worry about myself and not what others do. And so if Jacob DeGrom is happy signing a deal that made him richer than he probably ever thought he would be at twenty five million dollars a year, my guess is he might not be the type that if someone comes in that he's better than but is making more money than. I don't know that he's going to all of a sudden say, you know what, I'm not pitching until you pay me more. I don't think he's that tight. <laughs> no, probably not. That having been said, you can't give Trevor Bauer upwards of 
10 to $15 million more per season than what Jacob DeGrom is making. Right. Well, no again, way. I think they shoot high. And then the teams say that's not high. Happening. He's on the moon. Well, he's in. He's yeah. He's above the basically thirty six mil is what Garrett Cole got annually last year. He's right? not Garrett Cole. I know he's not. I'm just saying that is the new benchmark for starting pitchers, right? These guys are always looking to push the envelope. We see it in the NFL all the time. Oh, it's the most that a quarterback's ever gotten paid. Oh, it's the most for a safety. It's the most for this position, that position. They just keep pushing the envelope a little bit more, a little bit further. Right. And now what's really unrealistic about this is you're coming off a year where these teams lost all this money. So you're not going to have the same kind of money thrown around that maybe you did a winter ago with what the Yankees gave to Cole. But if you're from Bauer's standpoint, it's all right, let me throw this out there. And then maybe I quote unquote settle for 25 a year, you know? Wouldn't that be nice to settle for 25 well, that's what a I mean. year? I think feel like that's the strategy, right? And you see it in, in arbitration all the time where. You know, the team submits a number, the player submits a number, and they usually end up in the middle somewhere. That's how it works. I do think, and and this is obviously something for the experts, if you will, which pitcher is he? Like, is he the guy that pitched last year as well as he did in a 60-game season? Made, what, 12 starts, 13 starts? What was it? Couldn't have been more than that. Or is he the guy that threw to a 4 ERA? Who was a good pitcher. I am not saying he was not a good pitcher. He was. But he, I, I'm sorry, he's just not... I can't give him that kind of money. Not enough not enough of a body of work with the numbers you saw last year. Obviously. Correct. Right. He uh, made 11 starts. 11 starts. And pitched to a 173 ER. Now, how many times in the history of baseball have we seen guys have amazing first halves and then fall off a cliff in the second half? True. And I am not saying that would have happened to him. But I just I can't give him that kind of money based on last season. Yeah, I mean you go back to eighteen with the Indians, twenty seven starts. He was twelve and six with a two two one ERA. Great. So awesome. then nineteen got a little nuts. That was the year he ended up getting traded to the Reds. How did he do that year? Not so well. Right. Well, he did okay. I mean his Cleveland numbers weren't bad. But his but his but when he went to Cincinnati, he was at a four, he was a wasn't mess. he? He was three seven nine. Okay. Yeah. That's 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 good. But it's not Jacob DeGrom good. And then he went to Cincinnati, made 10 starts, went 2-5 and five with a 6-3-9. Well, that's what I said. So what, like what was his ERA for the season? Uh, it was in the fours. Right here. What I'm, I, I'm sure it was. I'm looking. I thought you meant just in Cleveland. No, for the year. They don't have it totaled here. I'd have to do some math for you on this page I'm looking at. For whatever reason, they don't give the total. I'll go baseball, to baseball reference, reference does. Well, I wasn't on baseball. Well, what are you reference. on? I was just on ESPN. Oh. You know? I didn't go for the, the full money here. Your mistake. You apologize. 2019, 448. 34 starts, 4.48 ERA. 2019. Okay. So that's not, so which picture are you getting? Right. Because prior to 2018, he was consistently in the fours. Right. And then in 18, he figures it out. 19, he goes back to what he was. And last year, he was great. In 11 starts. So who the heck knows? In 11 starts. Yeah. In Cincinnati. There's a lot of boomer bust with him, you would say, as far as paying him. A big, big-time free agent contract. No doubt. And then who was it Sonny Gray that was, yeah, it was Sonny Gray that was not very good here, goes back. He was great in Cincinnati. Sudden, he was very good. Yeah. And it now just, now he claims that's because the, the Reds allowed him to throw the pitches he wanted. Oh, whereas for God's sakes. With the Yankees, they were telling him what pitches to throw, what he couldn't throw. I'm sorry, I don't buy that. I agree. I, do I think not it was. A, I think it had a lot to do with the mental aspect. I think it. the hardest thing about being a GM, especially in a big market where the people care, and New York, for the most part, we all care. I think the biggest part for a GM is is not so much the talent. The, all these guys have talent. It's the mental makeup. And the fit. And how do you fit with the 
people in the locker room. I agree. And that it's it's almost like you've got to be a therapist more than you have to be a talent evaluator. No doubt. Some it's, guys just don't fit in certain within certain clubhouses, within certain cities, certain media markets. It's definitely true. You see right. it time and time again. Final break. We'll get uh we'll wrap things up in just a moment with Chris, then we'll get you Sal in here at the top of the hour. It is a Wednesday morning on the fan. Time now for a radio.com sports minute with Zach Gelb talking about the Cleveland Browns. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry, the superheroes of WFAN. Right, not too much time left. Knicks beat the Cavaliers last night, 95-86. to Nets back in action tonight. What else you got, Chris? Have you seen The Queen's Gambit? Do, do I? You, do you even know what that is? I do. It's a show on Netflix. Have you watched it? No. Miniseries about chess. You're kidding me. Okay. No, well, all right. See, you poo-poo. It I'm is not, be- no, it I'm is not become... I'm asking you if that's serious what it's about. Oh, no. It's 100% about chess. Okay. So it's been viewed now by 62 million people. It'll probably be up for awards, right? It's a lot of people. So the producer, I saw this on Twitter, producer goes on BBC News, talks about how it took 30 years and nine rewrites just to get it greenlit. Every studio he showed it to said no one would be interested in chess. And here it is, 62 million views later, and I believe sale of chess sets is up over 100% since the show debuted on Netflix. I gotta be honest, I'm sure it's a great show. It's tremendous. I do not see myself watching it. Well, you're missing out then. And it's not a, it's a, no, it's a mini-series. Bang, like eight to ten, ep- seven episodes. That's yeah. it. And you'd be done. Where do you find the time? Before we get started, I just want to say on behalf of every single Met fan out there, this is the Rico Bronya podcast. On behalf of all of the people that were at Chase Stadium on that October night, on behalf of every Met fan that's watched this man pitch, let me just tell Adam Wainwright, can you go f- yourself? <laughs> wow. Wow, you weren't kidding. You were you came in hot. Subscribe and listen to the Rico Bronya podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast.